Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesper Baptist Church. We're beginning a little, I guess you'd call it a mini-series in the book of Daniel. And the title of the first message is, Inasmuch He Was Faithful. Please enjoy. If you have your places in Daniel chapter 6, I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of the Word of God. We're going to read five verses, the first five verses of Daniel chapter 6. The Bible says, It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself from among the commissioners and the satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. The king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption. Inasmuch... As he was faithful, and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, We will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel until we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for what you have done for us today. I pray as we dive into the Word of God, as we dive into the Scripture this morning, Lord, I pray that you'd show us what the Holy Spirit has for us today. May we take it in and allow it to change our lives. In Jesus Christ's precious name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Charles Spurgeon once said of Daniel that Daniel was of royal race, but Daniel was also of royal character. Now there are many, many things that you could say about Daniel reading through the book of Daniel. You could say reading through the book of Daniel that Daniel was very smart. You could say that Daniel was courageous. You could say that Daniel was very humble. Daniel was excellent. Daniel was consistent. And all of these adjectives and all of these descriptions and all of these character traits would be very appropriate and correct when it comes to the traits of this man. But of all the character traits, and one preacher listed about 43 of them, but of all the character traits that you could ascribe to Daniel, probably no greater character trait is mentioned in the book of Daniel than it is in verse number 4, where it says, Inasmuch he was faithful. Inasmuch... He was faithful, which is the title of the message this morning. Inasmuch, he was faithful. Daniel was a faithful, faithful man. You know, faithful is a great Bible word because the word faithful means that you are trustworthy. The word faithful means that you are dependable. We ask sinners all the time to put their faith in Jesus. Why? Why? Because when you put your faith in Jesus, you can trust Jesus. 
When you put your faith in Jesus, you can depend on Jesus to save you. You can trust that, that Jesus will save you. And so in turn, for me and you to be faithful, that means that God can depend on us. That means that we are trustworthy, that we are dependable, that he knows that we will do what is right. He knows that me and you are going to do uh, what it takes to be close to him. For us to be faithful means that me and you are going to be consistent. For us to be faithful means that me and you are going to obey the word of God. In Babylon at this time, the Persians had came in and taken over the, the Babylonian Empire. They have installed Darius as king of Babylon. Now, the Bible says that there were 120 satraps in government. A satrap is a, the King James Bible uses the word prince, but really a satrap is a governor. Okay, so we have 120 governors. And then over those, to keep those governors accountable, there are three commissioners or three presidents over the 120 governors. Of those three commissioners, of those three presidents, Daniel was one of them. But Daniel was special. Daniel had distinguished himself above all the governors. Daniel had distinguished himself above all of the other commissioners, above the presidents. Why? Because King Darius could look at Daniel and say, that right there is a faithful man. That right, King Darius could look at him and say, that is a man I can trust. That is a man on whom I can depend. And that's how Daniel had distinguished himself from all the others. But even the enemies of Daniel said, if there's any way we're going to trap Daniel, it's going to be in his faithfulness. Well, let me tell you something. Daniel wasn't concerned with the king. And Daniel wasn't concerned with what a king thought of him. And Daniel wasn't concerned with what the crowd thought of him. And Daniel wasn't concerned with what, the enemy, what his enemies thought of him. And Daniel was only concerned about what the God of heaven thought about him. And the Bible says that he was faithful. Of course, it matters when we're faithful or not. It matters when us as Christians are faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2 Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Proverbs 20, verse 6 Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Proverbs 31.23 Oh, love the Lord, all ye saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful. Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Luke 16, 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also uh, in much. Revelation 2, 10. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Revelation 17, 14. These make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him are called ch uh, chosen and faithful. What a testimony it is this morning 
to be called faithful. What a testimony it is to be called faithful. There's a reason this morning why God loves faithful men in Chesbro Baptist Church. There's a reason this morning why God loves faithful women in Chesbro Baptist Church. There's a reason why this morning God loves some faithful young people in this church this morning. And the reason is, and I could go through scripture all day. I could read scripture after scripture on this, but probably the best Scripture to explain this is Psalms 89.1, which, by the way, is something we sing all the time. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known thy faithfulness. God loves faithful Christians. And God loves faithful churches because God is a faithful God. God is a faithful God this morning. So as we go into Daniel chapter 6 this morning, I want to show you why in as much he was faithful. There are specific areas, specific areas in Daniel's life where he was a faithful man. Now, in Daniel chapter 6, the rubber is getting ready to meet the road. Or more specifically, the prophet is getting ready to meet the lion's den. Okay, things are about to start happening, and we already know that Daniel is a faithful man, but I want to explore this morning what areas Daniel was faithful in. Number one this morning, Daniel was faithful to his Bible. Daniel was faithful to his Bible. So the politicians get together in Daniel chapter 6, and when the politicians get together, there's some shady goings-on, goings-on, okay? There's some shady things going down. And I know we don't know any politicians that do shady stuff. Uh, but but these, these politicians are getting ready to do some shady, corrupt things. Verse 4. Then the commissioner and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. I mean, could you just imagine the jealousy? I mean, there's 120 satraps, there's 120 governors, there's three commissioners, and of the three commissioners, Daniel is the most favored. He's over all of them. And I mean... Who died and made Daniel so important? Well, the answer to that question is Belshazzar died. And Darius was the one who made him that important. But ultimately it was God. God was the one ultimately who made him that important. But these politicians were very, very jealous. I know this is going to surprise you. But there's some places in the Bible where politicians didn't get along. There's some, you know, there's some, there's some places like that where they didn't get along. In the ancient times, politicians used to do some backstabbing. Now, I know today in America, in our evolved society, we don't have anything like that going on. We don't have any politicians that would backstab to stay in office. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We don't know what that's like. So they come together in Daniel 6, 
And they're trying to figure out how can we get Daniel. And you can almost hear them say, and you can almost imagine them getting together in some back alley, in some seedy dark room. They all get together and they're all throwing out ideas on how we can try to get Daniel. How are we going to replace Daniel? How are we going to make Daniel fall? Maybe they're throwing out ideas and this one guy raises his hand and says, why don't we get him around some money? Because, you know, politicians and money don't mix. Or maybe also in the meeting there's this older, gray-haired politician who's been around a while, and he pipes up and says, nope, that's not going to work. A Daniel wouldn't even steal a pencil from the office. You're not going to get him that way. That, 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 that's not going to work. Well, maybe somebody else, somebody else raises their hand and says, well, what if we get him a new secretary and we'll tempt him that way? And the same old guy pipes up and says, nope, that's not going to work either. He's too faithful to his God. You're not going to trap Daniel in thievery. You're not going to trap Daniel in, in, in uh, 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 scandal. You're not, you can't get Daniel like you would get so many other people. That is not going to happen. And can you imagine the frustration in them as they try to find a way to trap Daniel and make Daniel fall? The Bible says they eventually they finally did come up with an answer, but they had to realize first in verse 4 that they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption. Now they couldn't find any accusation and what that means is they couldn't find anything on the outside. And the reason for that is because there was no evidence on the inside. You see, there's no accusation on the outside because there's no corruption on the inside. And you know, a man, a person, a person can be clean on the outside, but be dirty on the inside. But if you are clean on the inside, you are clean on the outside. You are clean on the outside. And that's what I want for us in here. That's what I want for us Christians in this community, in this church, is I want for you to go out into the community and people look at you and know you're just as right on the outside as you are on the inside because people can tell when you're fake or not. I don't want us to be fake. I want us to not put on a mask or put on a facade. I want us to be genuine. We need to be genuinely faithful. Now, there was a conclusion to them considering the Daniel problem. These people said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Scandal? Not going to work. Thievery? It's not going to work. If we want to get Daniel... We've got to pit him against his Bible. We have to pit him against his Bible. It's going to be the law of the land versus the law of God. It's going to be the constitution of the land against the constitution of heaven. And this was actually a very smart plan 
I mean, I don't know who come up with this, but this was actually a very smart plan. If you're going to get Daniel, you have got to pit him against his Bible. Of course, everybody knew what he would choose. I mean, Daniel right now is pushing 90 years old. But you see, back when Daniel was a teenager, Daniel had kind of already made the decision of what path he was getting ready to choose. He had already told the world, I'm going to be faithful to my Bible. They came in. The Babylonians took over Israel. They pulled these young boys out. And the first thing they told them is, you're never going to marry. You're never going to have any kids. And they must have thought that their life was completely over. They were absolutely expecting the absolute worst. They were thinking we either going to get executed or we're going to be slave labor for the rest of our lives. This is not going to be good. And then they come into Babylon and they come into this big, nice room. And now they're having a meeting with all the big wigs and all the big boys of Babylon. And then it starts to hit them that, you know, this isn't going to be as bad as we thought it was going to be. And so the big wigs in Babylon, they lay some things out in this meeting. And they say, number one, we're going to change your name. Number two, we're going to give you a full scholarship to the University of Babylon, where, among other things, you're going to learn our religion. And number three, you're going to eat from the king's table. The king's chef is going to prepare your food. I can imagine that is not what they were expecting to happen. That's not what, that's not what they were expecting. But I want to show you that Daniel, as a teenager, as a young man, Daniel decided that he was going to draw a line somewhere. And as studying this, it's very fascinating where Daniel decides what hill he was going to die on. It's very interesting. I mean, they're going to change my name. They're going to force me to go to a school to hear about the pagan religion. And then they're going to, I've got to eat from the king's table. I mean, I've got to be thinking, if I put myself in this situation, I would think, man, the king's table, you know there's got to be some baby back ribs on there. And you know there's got to be some fried shrimp. Oh, I love me some fried shrimp. Ooh. So I'm thinking that that's probably not going to be that bad. After all, when you're, in Babylon, when you're in Babylon, eat as the Babylonians eat. I mean, so I would think if it were me, that would be the one that I would set aside. Because of my name? You're going to take away my name? I mean, I'm Daniel. I... I I have a name that honors the God of Israel. And you're going to take away my name? And you're going to give me the name Belshazzar? And a name that honors the, the, the false idols and, and the pagan religions and the false gods? Man, that, I don't like that sound of that at all. I mean, think about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I mean, their names were taken away and they were given vile, wicked 
blasphemous names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now listen, I know you were taught in Sunday school about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and those names, they, they rhyme, and they just kind of roll off the tongue. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I can almost guarantee that if those boys were here right now, they would say, please don't call us by those vile, wicked, blasphemous names. Call us by our, 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 our Jewish names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now look, if you say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm not going to kick you out of the church. It's just personal opinion here. Uh, but, but that's the thing. They're like, man, if I'm picking a hill to die on, I would think that would be my hill. Or hill number two. Maybe Daniel's going to draw the line on hill number two where they're going to send me to the Babylonian University and teach me their false pagan religion. That's where I'm going to draw the line as Daniel. But that's not where he draws the line at. He draws the line on hill number three. And Daniel says, I just can't eat the food. What a hill to die on. And as a teenager... He puts his life on the line. They could kill him for this. Daniel, they want to change your name and give you a wicked, blasphemous name that honors their pagan gods. And they want to send you to the school to learn their pagan false religion. And Daniel says, I just can't eat the food. Now, some people say that the reason why Daniel did some commentators have said that the reason why Daniel didn't eat the food is because the meat is because it was offered to idols. Well, here's the thing. The Bible doesn't say that. Okay? And if they offered the meat to idols, who's to say they didn't offer the pulse to idols? Okay? That's not what the Bible says. And it just, that doesn't work for me. I want to have a Bible reason. There has to be a reason why Daniel said no to the food. Daniel, they want to change your name. Well, I don't like that, but okay. Daniel, they want to send you to the pagan school and learn their false religion. I definitely don't like that, but okay. But the king's table, that's where I'm going to draw the line at. Why, Daniel? Why? And the only conclusion that you can have is that if you go way back in the Bible to the book of Leviticus, and you go way back in the Bible to the, to the book of Deuteronomy, you're going to find multiple scriptures on things that the Jews could eat and that they couldn't eat, and stuff they could drink and stuff they couldn't drink. Daniel says, I can't eat the food because my Bible says no. I can't eat the food because the Bible says, no, this man was faithful to the Bible even as a teenager. And everywhere he went, he was faithful to the Word of God. In fact, the very first story in his life in the Bible, he's willing to die for what the Bible says. And here he is, almost 90 years old. His whole life has been lived. And his enemies know Daniel is going to obey the Bible no matter what because the Bible is paramount in his life. The Bible is the primary thing in his life. The Bible is above the law of the land. The Bible is above the law of man. Daniel is going to be faithful to the Word of God. And all his enemies know it. 
May I encourage you this morning to have a renewed faithfulness to the Word of God? May I encourage you this morning, at some point in your day, every single day, you find time to get alone with that book. Every single day. You find time to do it. May I encourage you this morning to renew the family altar and sit down with your children and teach the Word of God to your children. And we'll do it in concert. We'll teach them the Word of God here. And when you're at home, you teach them the Word of God. And we'll do this thing in concert. Love your Bible. Study your Bible Memorize your Bible. Hide the Word of God in your heart where you might not sin against Him. Be faithful to your Bible this morning. Number two, he's faithful to pray. Verse 7, all the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute. Now, once again, I know in modern America, we have no idea. This is so a foreign concept to us. We don't know what this is like for the politicians to lie. We don't know what that's like. No, not us. But the politicians here, this was a bold face lie because they said all the governors and all the high officials and all the commissioners had agreed to this and I guarantee you when they turned in that piece of paper that Daniel's John Hancock was not on this piece of legislation I can guarantee you that it says enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man Besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, what is the lion's den? The lion's den was a massive pit with a big rock or a big slab over it that they would move. And the lions inside the pit were absolutely starving. And it is said that when they threw bodies in the pit, they would not hit the floor. The lions were so hungry, they would snatch the bodies out of the air. Verse 8, now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it uh, may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Of course, we all know the law of the Medes and Persians, once it's signed into law, not even the king can change it. I wonder what it must have sounded like when somebody told Daniel about this. I think we might could relate. I wonder if it sounded something like this. You know, Daniel, it's only 30 days. The Lord understands. It's only 30 days. I mean, just for the next 30 days, don't pray. I mean, it's just 30 days. Look, for the next 30 days, we're going to do things a little bit different, just a different way. You can make it 30 days. After all, after 30 days, you'll be safe. And after all, praying is not essential. After all, just 30 days. It's just 30 days. Just 30 days. And Daniel, if you start praying in that 30 days, you're going to be a bad testimony. 
You know, it's amazing the excuses that people will come up with not to obey the Bible. And you almost get the idea that if Daniel, I don't know about you, but I get the idea when I read this, that if Daniel had not prayed that 30 days, 30 days would have turned into 60 days. And when it turned into 90 days, it would have turned into 120 days. It's only 30 days. Daniel's going to make it 30 days. Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, no question at all, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open towards Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. Now, like I said, this is very reminiscent of some things going on here that are very reminiscent of some things that's happening in our world today. And I want God's people to pay very close attention to this verse because in this verse is something very critical. There's something very critical here, and it's this. Daniel was not being a martyr. Daniel was not making himself into a martyr. Now I know it seems that way because he opens his windows towards Jerusalem. But I want you to understand that Daniel was the number two man in this kingdom. And we all know when you're wealthy, your house is higher up. Whenever you go to the Smoky Mountains and you see those big massive cabins on the top of the mountain, those are the ones that have the wealth. Well, in Babylon, it wasn't the mountain, it was the city wall. The more important you were, the higher you lived up on the city wall. And the thing is, is that um, you were more important the higher you were. And what I'm saying is nobody is going to look in Daniel's window and see him by accident. Daniel doesn't open his window and fly a flag and say, oh, I'm going to show that. I'm going to show that king who I am. I'm going to show him. I'm going to show him a thing or two. That doesn't happen. Very quietly, he opens the window. Say, okay, why did he open the window? Because the Bible told him to. The Bible tells him to back in 2 Chronicles, and it's a repeat of what's in 1 Kings. The Bible, God tells his people, when you go into captivity, I want you to pray towards Jerusalem. And Psalms 56, I think it is, says that they are to pray three times a day, evening, morning, and noon. So you see, when Daniel opens up his window and prays three times a day, he's not being a martyr. He's not picking up a political cause. He is praying towards Jerusalem because that's what God told him to do. That's what his Bible told him to do. Okay, all right. Well, then how did they find him? If you read this passage of Scripture, you will find some five times where they say they tried to find him in error, find him in fault, find him in accusation. They were, they were looking through the keyhole at Daniel. They were examining his life. Daniel's life was under a microscope, and they said, we're going to find something whether it's there or not. Daniel was not being a martyr. Daniel wasn't doing something new. Daniel was doing what he always had done. When there was freedom to pray, he prayed. 
So now that the freedom's gone, he's not flying the flag of martyrdom and saying, I'm going to show that king who I am. Daniel just kept doing what he'd always done. Why? Because he was faithful. He was faithful. He was a faithful man. Faithful people go to the book. Faithful people pray. How's your prayer life this morning? When somebody teaches or preaches on your prayer life, do you feel conviction? Every, to tell you the truth, everybody should. Why? Because nobody's arrived. Every single one of our prayer lives could be better. You could always use improvement. How are you doing with your prayer life? Are you faithful in prayer? Number three, Daniel's also a faithful witness. Verse 14. Then as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. Now I want you to notice here the words that Darius says to Daniel once he throws him in. The king spoke to Daniel and said, this is the statement, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. Do you see what's happening here? You see it. An unsaved, pagan, idolatrous king said, number one, Daniel, you have a singular God. There was no nation in the world at the time that had a singular God, none. They all had multiple, many, many gods. They had a pantheon of gods. They had a plethora of gods. There was no nation that only had one God. But the Bible says that Israel was the one nation with the one God. And Darius knew that. He didn't say your gods will deliver you. He said your God will deliver you. But not only, not only did he know that Daniel served one God, but he also knew that that God was his personal Savior. He will deliver you. Do you know that in the ancient times, that the gods of old, that uh, they were terrible? I mean, these, these gods that they worshipped, uh, these were terrible gods who brought judgment. And the only reason why they gave offering to the gods was to appease their wrath and appease their judgment. As far as they were concerned, these gods did not care for them at all. But Darius said, you have a singular God who loves you so much he's going to save you. And then if that wasn't enough, in verse 20, it tells us that King Darius said, Daniel, you have a living God. Every God in Darius's life was made of stone, brass, and wood. A human being created it with their own hands. But when it came to Daniel's God, Darius knew that Daniel's God was a living God. How did he know that? 
He didn't get this from the University of Babylon. He knew it because Daniel was a faithful testimony. And we know that because we see that example constantly throughout the book of Daniel. Just look at Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel as a young man is showing Nebuchadnezzar that he's faithful to God. And then when Nebuchadnezzar becomes an old man, Daniel's, uh, Daniel's asking him, pleading with him, warning him to repent. And finally at the end of Nebuchadnezzar's life, he gets saved. Now there's some debate about that, but you can't read Nebuchadnezzar's testimony in the Word of God and not say that he is a powerful, powerful testimony. In Daniel chapter 1, he's faithful to the guards who protected him. Daniel chapter 2 is a faithful witness to Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel chapter 4, he's not afraid to stand in front of Belshazzar and tell him about the judgment and wrath of God. And finally in Daniel chapter 12, the Bible tells us that he invested his life in turning people to righteousness. In other words, Daniel was a faithful witness. You, me, we are given opportunities to share the gospel. We are put in places and we are given situations in our lives to share the gospel. Do we capitalize on that? How often in a conversation do we bring up Christ? How often in a conversation do we bring up heaven? You don't meet anybody by accident. Your paths cross with so many people. Do we share the gospel? Are we a faithful witness? Daniel was faithful to his Bible. Daniel was faithful to prayer. Daniel was a faithful witness. And number four this morning, Daniel was faithful to serve. Verse 20. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve. That's Daniel. He's a teenager and he's serving God. He's a young man, he's serving God. He's a middle-aged man, he's serving God. He's near 90 years old and he's still serving God. And in our churches today, not only do we need people of all ages to serve God, we need people who will commit to serve God for a long, long time. That is a mark of faithfulness. A long time long time. Let me tell you something. Not one verse in this book says, well done, thou good and spectacular servant. Not one verse in this book says, well done, thou good and big time servant. But that book does say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You might not be as talented as a person next to you. I was on staff with a good friend of mine, Josh Westmoreland, and he was like, he could sing, he could preach, he could play the guitar. I mean, he could do it all. I couldn't do any of that. I'm not like him. But you know what I could do? Is I could be faithful. Now listen, you might not be as talented as the next person, but one thing you can do is you can be faithful. 
Daniel was faithful to his Bible. He was faithful to his prayer life. He was a faithful witness. He was a faithful servant. How's our faithfulness this morning? How's our faithfulness? 